0: Right, First Corinthians chapter five is where we're at, and uh, before we get into the text, just something that to kind of keep in mind: the last few weeks, the messages that I've been preaching on Sunday nights, and that I'm planning on preaching uh, for the next weeks—I so don't know how many it's going to take—I'm uh, really trying to zero in on things to help you understand the role of a church and your role in the church. There's a lot of things about that that I think we take for granted that we're missing and so there right now what we're kind of doing is kind of really covering some basic things. And when we talked about the vine and the branches, as I was showing you what that what a branch is and that we as a church, one of our functions is to bring forth fruit. That is a very important function of a church to bring forth fruit, but not just to bring forth fruit. We are to allow the husbandman to purge us as branches so we can bring forth more fruit. And and so we've got to let God fix us where we need fixed, whether that be our doctrine and whether that be our own personal lives and keeping sin out of our life. And so last week we talked about, uh, I forgot the title of the sermon, but we basically were talking about keeping false doctrine out of church. The, The leaven of bad doctrine... Will eventually make our church unfruitful, and then we're pointless. But you know what? Uh, bad doctrine is not the only thing that will kill a church, and it's also not the only leaven we need to keep out of church. We also need to keep sin out of the church. And in verse one of First Corinthians five says, "It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you." Now, this is one of the things we were talking about this morning. How Paul said. When I wrote that letter, I repented at first. It's because he's calling stuff out and even singling somebody out here. He did not name this guy, but they all would have known who it was. You know, the guy who married his, you know, stepmother, everybody's going to know who he is. And so while he doesn't name him, they all would have known. But Paul is thinking these people aren't going to receive it because this was harsh stuff. And we know that they did. But this is some of what Paul was referring to uh, when we talked about the stuff. Uh, or when in the verses we looked at this morning so he says in such fornication as is not so much as named among the gentiles that want you have his father's wife and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you for i verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though i were present concerning him that has so done this deed in the name of our lord jesus christ when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I want you to notice that what Paul said there with that last statement, this is after dealing with sin in the church, not doctrine, but sin, behavior, something that was in this man's personal life. Notice that he said a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, which is exactly what he said in Galatians five nine when dealing with false doctrine. When dealing with work salvation, he said a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. So just like you know we're so hardcore, we got to keep that false doctrine. We want to keep false gospels out of our church. We're also supposed to keep sin out of the church because a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Now understand too. This particular sin that he mentioned is, you know, fornication is a bad sin, period. But he even went on to show that this is fornication that's not even so much as named among the Gentiles. I mean, this is unacceptable stuff here. And the bad thing was, these people were puffed up. Y'all are proud of yourself as a people. When you've got somebody like that in the midst of your congregation, you ought to be mourning. You ought to be mourning the fact too that he's got to be removed, but you're not doing anything about it. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to deliver that guy into Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, we know, based on Second Corinthians, they got this right. We know that this man got right. And this ended up being a good story. But, you know, one of the worst things that can happen to a church is for it to just get so full of sin that it becomes ineffective. And... Listen, even if a church has certain key doctrines, right, we need to understand that it does not mean it will continue to be used of God. God hates sin and God wants a pure church. It says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, and then he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. God wants a pure church. And, you know, you got people today, they have this attitude, well, as long as he has the right gospel. Well, listen, I'm glad he's got the right gospel. But God wants him to have the right gospel, and he wants him to also be a good Christian. He doesn't want him to be wicked. And people will, they will justify all kinds of sins for preachers because they've got the right gospel. But you know what? They need to be both. And then you've got other people. They'll justify all kinds of heresy because the preacher's a nice guy. Oh, well, he's got a good family. You know, he's been married for a long time. He's got he you know, he's got good works, so who cares about his doctrine? Well, we understand his doctrine matters. Because you know what? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. But you know what? Even if he's got good doctrine, but he's got wicked behavior, we ought to care. We ought, that ought to be a big deal too. We have every right to expect both, especially from preachers. But even from church members, we have every right to expect people in our church to live clean, moral lives, to be good Christians, and we and to be pure doctrinally. We have every right to expect both. Last week we talked about doctrine. And keeping the cankers out. That's what it was about cankers, the common cankers that come in Baptist Church. But sin is another thing we've got to keep out of the church. And the truth is, any church that gets infected with sin, just and I'm talking, again, behavior. I'm talking about stuff that you do in your own personal lives. If you get if a church gets infected with sin, you know what's going to happen? Heresy is going to eventually be being taught too. Heresy is going to end up being believed too. We see in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, it says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that they be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So notice how Paul, he's he looks and he says, I know there's heresies among you. Now, now, why? Why did he say that? Because their behavior was out of line. And you know, if people have, if when they have bad behavior, they're going to have bad doctrine. Now, Paul hasn't figured out what this doctrine is yet because he's not around there. But when he's hearing about these divisions, when he's hearing about this behavior that's going on, when he's seeing the way these people are treating something holy like the Lord's Supper, when he when he sees this kind of behavior, he's hearing about this kind of behavior, he's like, Somebody's teaching heresy in that church because your doctrine will affect your behavior. And let me tell you something, anytime a preacher starts getting off morally, when a preacher starts getting involved in sin, mark it down, he's wrong on doctrine somewhere. It may take a little while to manifest itself. It might not come from what he's preaching, but it might come from what he's not preaching. And so it's just, you know, it's real easy if you want to be an independent fundamental Baptist, especially one like we are, You know, there's a certain, there's, there's plenty of things that we all agree on that if you just stay on those topics, you know, everybody will like you, but you know, there's other things too. A lot of preachers will just kind of shy away from. And, and, you know, and so the thing is you can find out a lot of times, you know, what a person's position is by what they don't talk about. And I'm finding out more and more too, this is just a side note, unrelated, I'm hearing less and less preachers talk about eschatology, and I think that's because they're not sure what they believe, or they're believing the right thing and they're they're just afraid to preach it right now. That's my that's that's what I think. But I the fact that they're silent tells me a lot about it. But that's just a side note. But in the in the religious world, what we often do is we set up a system that will always resemble certain things in the Bible. And then what we'll do, we'll place an enormous amount of emphasis on those things. And often that's done to distract from clear sins and errors in those churches. And so, uh, so for example, if we're just not very good Christians, if we're just struggling with sin, if our families are struggling, if our families are falling apart, if our kids are all immoral and doing all these things, you know, that kind of reflects bad on our church, that we've got sin going on in our church. All our young people are going out fornicating and doing all this stuff. Well, all right, this is really kind of hurting our reputation. So what we'll just do is instead of, you know, repenting of the sin, calling out the sin, you know, trying to get the sin right, we'll just start talking about, you know, it's a lot more important we have the right gospel. Let's talk about our soul winning. Let's just talk about our soul winning. Everybody ignore you know all the immorality in our church. Look how many people we had out soul winning today. Look how many people we got saved today. You know what that's called when we do that kind of thing? You know that w- it's, it's kind of like um, you, know, a bo- you, know, you know a lot of churches are like that bodybuilder that sk- always skips leg day. You know you got you know you got the bird legs guy with the big upper torso, and you know when you stop and think about it, I mean having strong legs is pretty important. You know, but people. Uh they don't typically when they're looking in a mirror they see from the waist up so they don't really they're not really thinking about their legs. And and that's but the thing is those legs, strong legs are really important. And the thing is, you know, having good behavior is really important. And, it, and I'm telling you there's a lot of Christians out there they're walking out around like they're with this giant upper torso and they got tiny little bird legs. And the bird legs represents godly living. You know, and then the upper torso represents their doctrine. And so great, your doctrine's great, but your little bird legs, I'm telling you, it's pretty revolting. You know, let's try to be the whole package. Let's try to be the whole thing. And so when it comes to this type of thing, when it comes to us setting up this system where we heavily emphasize one thing so we can distract from where we're lacking, you know what that's called? That's called a red herring. Okay, and you might remember when we talked about the red herring fallacy, but a red herring fallacy, it's a misleading statement. It's a misleading question or argument me- meant to redirect the conversation away from its original topic. And that's what they would do back in the day when they would want to train their dogs, you know, on those fox hunts to go stay on, focus on that, on that fox. They would take those fish that smell and they would drag them across the paths making a, a distraction for those dogs. It was like a big distraction for them. And what they, they would do that on purpose to, so they could train their dogs to not get distracted by those things and just to stay on point. And so where we see this red herring pop up all the time is anytime you want to call anybody out for some kind of legitimate sin, what do they do? They start talking about something else. Hey, you know, that person, they're really wicked, That person, you know, they treat their wife terrible. they got a filthy mouth. They never pay their bills. They're dishonest. They're a liar. But they go soul winning every week. Why are we bringing that up? I don't care if you go soul winning every week. It's still wrong to be a liar. It's still wrong to treat your wife terrible. It's still wrong to be a deadbeat. It's still wrong to steal. Who cares if you're right on all these things? And people do that all the time. You know, you can have pastors that are divorced. Oh, but he's just such a great preacher. But, you know, we have qualifications in the Bible for a reason. And then people, they will distract. Well, look at all that he did over here. Look how many people get, get saved. Look at all this. Look at. No. What does the Bible say? Did you know where, you know, our main goal isn't just to win souls. Our main goal is to glorify God. And did you know, God's not glorified if we're going around his methods, if we're being disobedient to him to supposedly get a result. That we think is better. That's not right. We have no right to do that as a church. But people, what they'll often do is they will, they will put an enormous amount of emphasis on one area where they are strong as a way to distract from all the areas where they struggle. That's not right. That is not right. And so, um, you know, one of the ways people do this too, and I see this kind of thing all the time, you see it on social media. But whenever you get specific about a sin, whenever you try to deal with a sin with somebody, what's some of the common things you hear? You hear them say things like, well, everybody's a sinner. Have you ever sinned before? It's like, okay, no, we're calling out a sin. You know, this person shouldn't have done this. You know, I mean, I saw some of the other day on social media, somebody called somebody out for using filthy language. And then somebody's like, well, have you ever said a cuss word before? Okay, Listen, even if they had, it's still wrong to cuss. (laughs) And so why do we even bring that up? You know what it is? It's a distraction. Listen, I don't care if, you know, if I just strangled a puppy, it's still wrong. You know, it's still wrong to cuss. It's still wrong to have a filthy mouth. You know, I don't care. I don't care if I just saved a puppy. It's still wrong to preach false doctrine. You all understand how these things aren't related You know these are these are different things. And you know what? As a church, we have the right to call out sin. And us calling out sin does is not us saying we have no sin. It's not us saying we've never done these things before. It's us just saying you're not. We're not supposed to do these things. We're supposed to encourage each other to do right. We're supposed to provoke each other to love and good works. We're supposed to call out sins, but people do that. Everyone's a sinner, so now we can't call out any sin. I mean, that's ridiculous. We're supposed to do this thing. Yeah, we all know everyone's sin. Nobody's saying we've never sinned. We're just doing what God said to do. You know, when the Apostle Paul, he wrote this and he's telling them to deal with this guy who sinned. You know, he didn't say to those people, now, If you, when you deal with this guy, make sure it's only those among you who don't have any sin. Let them be the first ones to cast the stone. I mean, because that's the whole point of the one, story of the woman taking adultery, right? That the law is history and we don't care about that anymore. Why didn't Paul say that? You know, because that was unrelated. These are unrelated things. You know, they'll say things like, if we're just going to start throwing sinners out of the church, we're not going to have anyone left, including the pastor. You ever heard stuff like that before? Well, listen. We see here in 1 Corinthians 5, it's talking very specifically about things that we should put away from among us. And it's not anyone saying we don't have any sin. You know, they'll say things like, you know, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags we just need to focus on Jesus. Okay? And that sounds... You know what? That is a true statement. We should focus on Jesus. Our righteousness is filthy rags. That doesn't change the fact that the Bible says we're to put away from ourselves that wicked person. You all understand how... See how people distract? This is very manipulative. It's very wicked. You know, they'll say, He that hath no sin, cast the first stone. That's right out of the Bible. Those are the words of Jesus. But what's so foolish about this type of thing is the fact that people who say these things ignore so many scriptures. I mean, right here in chapter 5, in verse 9, it says, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Oh, so I, you think their sin is worse than your sin? Well, obviously it is. Because he didn't say not to keep company with anyone who's ever committed any kind of sin. No, he got specific. He said, Yeah, no, altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you that not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth, therefore put away from among yourself that wicked person. And this is a good verse, too, for those who say, well, who who are you to judge? Judge not. Paul said specifically judge. He specifically said to judge these things. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. We're not going to go. I don't know if we'll go through all this, but in Ephesians chapter 5, he names a bunch of sins that they need to deal with, that they need to keep out of the church. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself uh, for us an offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And I like this too. Whenever you throw somebody out of church, whenever you deal with sin, well, your church isn't very loving. But notice Paul said walk in love and then immediately after he says walk in love, he said, but... So there's an exception here. And yet, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. So walk in love, but don't let some certain sins be a part of your congregation. You know, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this, uh, you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And I'm not going to go through all this But he goes on and he gives a bunch of sins and he says, don't let this be among you. And you know what? When we don't let those things be among us, you know what that's called? It's called walking in love. That's what we are supposed to do as a church. And so in first Corinthians chapter six, right after this passage, we have a whole chapter about how a church should be able to judge matters between individuals in a church And he says in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so it's very crystal clear that these sins have no place in church. But here's where it can get tricky, okay? And this, and, and I know all of you in here have for, heard forty-seven thousand sermons about the specific sins that will get you kicked out of church. Okay, I, I I know you guys probably have these sins memorized, and you got a checklist, or you're just waiting for somebody to do one so you can tattle on them and watch them get thrown out of the church. I don't think you all are like that, but you know some of you might be. Some of my, you don't you don't you don't have a list written out, but it's it's there in your head, and you're just you're just waiting. It's like, boy, I, I, these people in the church, I don't like them. If I see them doing one of, the, one of the big sins, I'm telling Pastor Tommy so they can get thrown out of the church. Okay? Hopefully, that's not how you are. At the same time, though, we do need to judge these things. But, again, here's where it gets tricky. Because we do have several sins that are specifically mentioned and that we should not let these things be in our church. Okay? But here's where it gets tricky. What do we do when it comes to things that are clearly sinful, but are not specifically mentioned by Paul? Because this is what happens when you have a church like ours, where we will preach on the things that the Bible says, this can't be once named among you. And when we were actually practice church discipline, what can end up happening is you can end up having an environment where people feel like I only need to worry about the sins that will get me kicked out of church. And you know what? That is not the attitude we should have in this church. We want to keep sin out of the church and not just the sins that are on the list of things that will get you kicked out of church. Now, understand, we're not just going to get up here and it's like, you know what? We're just going to start kicking everybody out for every sin. But I'm here today to tell you, you can't just have this attitude of, as long as I don't violate the things that will get me kicked out of the church, I'm okay, and the church shouldn't do anything, can't do anything, or I don't need to do anything. That's not the right attitude. As a church, we are supposed to be growing, and we are supposed to be letting the husbandmen purge us. Now, when it comes to those big sins like this, when you have someone who's so wicked and they're so brazen that they're going to think that it's still okay for them to come to church while they're living in fornication or something like that, yes, we have been called... To physically step in and remove that. But let me tell you something too. If you've got another sin in your life that you know God doesn't want you doing, you know what? You should let Him purge that sin from your life. And you, you shouldn't need us to do it. You ought to be spiritual enough. You ought to be serious enough about the things of God that you don't need us to do it. And let me tell you this too. If you have sin in your life, and it is. It's not one of the big sins that would get you kicked out of the church. But you have no interest in getting rid of that sin in your life. You know what? I think you'd be better off just not being here than to hang on to that sin purposefully and be in just, you know, disobedience and rebellion to God. Because you will hurt our church. You will bring leaven into our church. You will spread sin in our church if you do this kind of thing look what it says in Matthew 5:19 cuz remember and we're going we're going to be talking about this a lot in the next weeks too about the kingdom of God. I'm afraid we don't know we we're not thinking enough about the spiritual kingdom that we have here right now and the kingdom that is to come. These things are important folks. We you know we're only going to live 70 or 80 years here in this earth. We got another 1000 years in eternity after that to come. And how that, those things are going to go for us depends on what we do with this life. And so, you know what? We don't really have time to just waste our time with a bunch of rebellious Christians who have no interest in living holy lives and being Christ-like. It's just, it's not going to be good for our church. And listen, I don't want to run people off. I don't, and you know what? I'm not trying to run, you know what? There is nobody in our church right now that I'm thinking, I was like, you know what? I hope they just get this. And if they don't get right, I just hope they leave this church. Okay, I, I I don't want anybody to leave. I don't like running people off. I don't want to run people off, and I'm not even in my mind trying to run anybody off right now. I'm just giving you a truth that is very important, that if we are going to keep going forward as a church, if we're going to keep growing, not just in numbers, but if we're going to be growing spiritually, if we're going to be growing in use from God, we're going to have to take these things very serious. And it says in Matthew 5, 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and watch this and shall teach men. So he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know what we don't want here in this church is people promoting little sins. I'm not talking about just the big sins that will get you kicked out of the church. If there are little sins and guess what? Everybody has them. Everybody's got something in their life that the Lord needs to purge from your life, that you need to work on. We all have those things. But what ends up happening in a church like ours, where we do, where we enforce certain things, we can get an attitude where that's all we care about, that's all we focus on. Hey, we're right on the gospel, we go soul winning, we do X, Y, and Z that's heavily emphasized in independent fundamental Baptist churches, therefore we're all good. No. We want to be people who teach the least commandments. We do them and we teach them. We don't want to be people that don't do the least commandments and especially teach other people not to do the least commandments too because that is going to hurt our standing in the kingdom of God. That is going to hurt what we do. It's going to affect how God uses us. And, I, and so I believe we have a problem. We have a problem we have leaven when any sin is promoted or spreading in a church. And let me ask you, are you helping spread sin? No, we all admit, we'll all, if I ask you to raise your hands, if you're perfect, nobody raise their hands. If I ask you to raise your hand, if you don't you know, have some imperfection in your life, if you're honest, you, you raise your hand. Here's my question, though. Are you spreading those things? Are you encouraging other people to do those things. There's something about us. There's just something about man where what, whatever sin we have, we want other people doing it too. I mean, what is the first thing Eve did after she ate the fruit? She gave it to her husband. And you know what? If there had been anybody else on earth, Adam probably would have done the same thing too. That's just kind of how people are. I mean, it, it's it's human nature. And we all have things that we struggle with. Even after we get saved, we have things that we struggle with. That's, and, and we ought to be helping people. That's why it says in Romans 15.1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to praise ourselves. So again, we're not going to throw people out for every sin. But you know what we are going to do? We're going to bear their infirmities. We're going to help them. We're going to try to help them get over these sins. We're going to put up with things in their life. If they've, got, if they've got sin, if they've got areas where they're struggling and we, you know, they're just not as good of a Christian as they should be, we're gonna put up with it. We're gonna forbear them in love. We're gonna we're gonna care about these people. We're gonna do everything we can to help them because we want them to get better. But you know what we don't want is we don't want anybody encouraging that sin and trying to get other people to do it too. We should be a place. A church should be a place where you are challenged and provoked to love and good works, like it says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That's why we're not supposed to forsake the assembling. Because we are supposed to be getting provoked to love and good works. We're supposed to be provoking others to love and good works. That's why we're here. You know why we're here? We're not here just to teach people not to fornicate. We're not here to just teach people not to do the big sins and not to be an extortioner a covetous and all those things. We're here to encourage people to also keep the least commandments. We're And we're supposed to, and we're supposed to be an example. We're supposed to be doing these things. And we're never going to have a church full, full of perfect people and it's okay for us to put up with all kinds of faults that people have, but what we should never put up with is someone coming into the church and promoting things that aren't right. And so, you know, so for example, you know, Pastor Tommy, you know, would you kick me out of the church if you found out I watch soap operas? Okay, and you know, and you're, you've been watching... As the stomach turns, as my dad used to call it, for the last 47 seasons, I, I've heard that show has been running forever. I mean, folks, I don't know that I can get take the Bible and show you why you should get kicked out of church for that. But you know what? That's a bad habit. You know, you need to get over that. You know, I'll bet the Lord would like it if you didn't keep watching that trash. You know, but again... Are we going to enforce that? Are we going to purge that? Probably not. Okay. If I go over to your house and I see you've got three shelves with all the seasons on DVD of As the Stomach Turns, I'm not going to throw bring you before the church. Now, a bunch of you ladies are thinking, oh, "Good, I'm going on Amazon and I'm buying them now." Uh, you know, no, no, that's not the point. But you know, but you know, you, you probably should fix that. But let me say even though we're not going to necessarily do anything about that, let me tell you this, and nobody's done this, but if you were to start coming to the church and you're encouraging other ladies to go watch as the stomach turns, now we have a problem. That's not okay. Oh, I should get kicked out of the... No, I didn't say that's a sin that'll get you kicked out of church, but you know what? Anytime you're promoting sin in any way, anytime you're, you're pushing somebody... To get a little more away from God, that's a bad thing. I get it, we've we've all got stuff that we struggle with. We've all have areas in our life where we could do better. But you know, the difference is some people are working on those things. Maybe they're not doing a very good job, but you know, we want to help them, we want to encourage them, and the and the last thing we want, we might even have somebody in our church who they're struggling with things even worse than soap operas. But that person at least is working on their life they're trying to get better they're trying to get victory over sin they're not promoting their sin and the many people will do that they'll come into church and they will get they will be involved in sin things that they should not be involved in and you know what they're not content to just struggle through it or even keep those things for themselves you know what they want to do they want to tell everybody about it listen can we at least have the decency to be ashamed of sin that's in our life To at least be embarrassed. I'm not telling you to be fake. I'm not telling you to be a phony. But you know what? Have enough decency to not try to spread these things. Christians should never push people or do anything to do anything that's a sin. Again, whosoever shall break one of these least commandments. That right there tells me that there's commandments that are more important. We've got the greatest commandment. We've got, oh, we've got least commandments too. You know, what are those least commandments? I mean, they could be things that are barely mentioned in the Bible. Things that are maybe mentioned only one time. say there's only one verse. Okay, fine. There's only one verse. So it's a least commandment. You know what? You should do it. We should be teaching other people to do it. Uh, Or maybe it's a commandment that has very small consequence. You know, because people too, when you bring up what the Old Testament says about sodomites, Oh, Well, the Bible also says if you see a bird nest lying along the way, you're supposed to pick it up and put it in the back in the tree. Okay, that's in the Bible. If if you want to teach, if you want to practice that, I think that's great. I think we should care about God's creatures and stuff like that. You know, but here's the thing: what was the penalty on not putting a bird's nest back in the tree? I don't recall death penalty. I don't even recall getting beaten with stripes for that. There were some things, this God said, this is what I want you to do. And God wanted the people to do them, but God also never gave people, He never gave Moses and the people of Israel the authority to execute some kind of judgment on someone for doing those things. I mean, what was the penalty for mixing woolen and linen? The Bible doesn't say, does it? Okay, it, 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 didn't, it didn't bring that up for those things. But let me tell you this. While that wasn't as bad of a sin as idolatry, while that wasn't as bad of a sin as murder and adultery and things like that, while it wasn't in the Ten Commandments, you know what? I'll bet Moses wouldn't have put up with people going around telling people, you know what? There's no penalty mentioned on mixing fabrics. So let's go do it you know, they, they would have dealt with that. No, God said not to do it. We're going to, we're going to practice this as a people. And as Christians, we and as a church, even if it's a sin that doesn't get you kicked out of church. If somebody comes in and they start promoting it, if they start encouraging other people to get involved in their bad habit, okay, let me up. people. Sometimes they struggle with things. People struggle getting over certain addictions and things. We still love you. We still care about you. We still want to help you. We're not going to kick you out of the church if you're struggling with those things. But you know what? If you come here and you start, you know, handing up, passing out cigarettes and cigars and things like that, people, now we have a problem because you shouldn't be doing that. These are are not good things to do. Do not promote these things. Do not, you know, do not try to make other people do it. If your church attendance isn't what it should be, Okay, or if your giving isn't what it should be, you know where that you know, that's fine. We're not going to kick you out of the church. We don't kick people out of church who don't go to church as much as we think that they should. But you know what? The, we might if you're going and say, like, you know, I only go to church once a month. That's all you people need to go to. No, you don't do that. Listen, so, you know, sometimes there's legitimate reasons to lay out of church. So there's illegitimate reasons to lay out of church too. Either way, we're not going around physically enforcing these things, kicking people out from this too much. But let me tell you, don't you ever encourage somebody to do that. You know what? If that's you, if you feel like you don't need church as much as the rest of us do, okay, whatever. You know, I don't have something I can nail you over the head with in the Scriptures. But at the same time, don't promote that. Don't encourage other people to give the way you do if you're not giving the way you should. We're supposed to be provoking people to do good. And so, and isn't it interesting too how a lot of sins that are, you know, especially ones that are like bad habits, smoking, drinking, drugs, stuff like that. Isn't it interesting how most of those things started with a friend? What is it about stuff like that that people always want to do it with somebody? It's because we know this isn't exactly right. I mean, you know, there's just some things we don't want to be the only one doing it. You know why? Because we know it's wrong. And if you're the only person in the church, maybe you're the only one in this church who's dumb enough, irresponsible enough to play the lottery. Are we going to throw you out for buying a lottery ticket? Probably not. I don't know if I can prove from the Bible we can throw you out of the church for something like that. But let me tell you, you start encouraging other people in the church to play the lottery, we're going to have a problem. You know what? If you play the lottery, can you have the decency to be embarrassed about it? Can you have the decency to not show people your ticket stubs and show how you only missed one ball in the Powerball or something like that? Can Can you? Listen, we love you. You know, we're sad that you're stupid and that you're paying stupid tax for poor people. Okay, you know, we're, we're sad that you're that irresponsible, and we do. We love you. We care about you. We will encourage you to get over those things and we'll put up with you for as long as it takes for you to get over it. But don't you dare come into this church and spread that kind of thing. That's not good. You know how many people, you know how many people today and how many organizations there are to help gambling addicts? It's a real addiction that people have. You know how many people have destroyed their families, their businesses, because of gambling and you're going to promote that kind of thing again you're struggling we we feel sorry for you you know i thank god i was taught right on those things because i could i could see getting caught up in something like that i can get caught up in the excitement the thrill and all that kind of stuff but you know what folks that's not right i don't believe god wants us doing that kind of thing and if you struggle with it we love you but don't spread it be be ashamed of it be very very ashamed of it because it is it's a really bad habit and it's not something that i it's not making people closer to god it's not it's you know every, i mean you know, think about it too everything surrounding certain industries i mean the drinking the drugs you know you places like las vegas the prostitution that, these are the things they are known for the the nudity all that all that stuff Why it is, it's just, I mean, these places are all about the flesh. They're all about the thrills. It's all about, that's what it's all about. And again, people struggle with these things. Some of these things, we might not be able to have the verse says you're out of the church, but you know what? It doesn't mean you should be, it's okay for you to spread it. You know, and again, wicked people too, they love to have someone that they can talk about their wickedness with most people that are involved in sin when they especially when they know it's sin they need someone to talk to about it i don't fully understand what that's all about but it's just the way it is did you know many crimes have been solved because murderers they had to tell somebody about it and they told the wrong person you know somebody that they thought they can trust and you know what we call people who just feel the need to tell others about their sin and encourage other people in their sin. For example, a lot of your perverts, a lot of your pornography addicts, what do they like to do? Not only do they like to view it, but they like to distribute it. They like to share it with other people. You know what we call those people? Groomers. And let me tell you, there's there's groomers when it comes to really wicked sins, but you know there's groomers when it comes to small sins too. Again, if you're coming in here telling everybody, oh, do you see as the stomach turns? Do you see who so-and-so got with? You're a groomer. You're, you're, you're grooming people trying to give them a taste for soap operas. People don't need that. People get addicted to that stuff too. Hey, I, I don't understand that. I remember when I was a kid, those things would come across and we flip through the channels and they're like, this just looks stupid. It's boring. I mean, you could, you could have it on there for five seconds. There's something about the way they film them and you know it's a soap opera. I don't understand what it is. But you can, you, it can be on for five seconds and you know it's a soap opera. And I, I, don't, I don't get what that is, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. And, you know, and so the thing is, there's something addictive about it. I've never been around it long enough to figure out what it is. It's the same thing with alcohol. It's the same thing with drugs. I, thankfully, I've never been around it long enough to find out what it is that's so appealing and that makes it so hard for people to let it go. I've just trusted God. I've trusted people in my life. And I'm just going to stay away from those things. But, you know, the thing is, the reason those things are always promoted on TV too is because the biggest groomers on the planet own all the television stations. That's why they're constantly, you're seeing the beer commercials and things. They're grooming you. They're trying to get you interested in things that you shouldn't be interested in. And all the junk that they promote in Hollywood on on commercials, these people are grooming you. And we don't need groomers in a church grooming people to do any sin. That's not okay, but people do that. Said as long as I'm not doing anything, they'll get me kicked out of the church. Listen, don't be a groomer. In any area, don't encourage people to sin. It says in Romans 6.20, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things? Whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Listen, we have sin, but there's some and we have areas where we struggle, but it's super normal to be ashamed of those things, and it's weird if you're not ashamed of those things. And the truth is, the reason you you know you have to have that one person to talk to and you can't talk to everybody about it is because you're ashamed. And good. That's exactly how it should be. But you know what? Let that shame motivate you to get right. Let that shame motivate you to get over these sins. And so if you're if you're Just have the decency to be ashamed of sin. Nobody here is acting like, you know, those of us who do not talk about areas where we struggle in life. This is not us being a Pharisee. This is not us being a hypocrite. This is not us pretending we don't have any sins. It's called being ashamed. It's like the message I preached the other day about, you know, what are you wearing? We talked about clothing. It's to hide our nakedness. I get it that we all have nakedness, but we don't have to show it to everybody. And if you have sin in your life, if you have areas where we're struggling, we get that. We understand that. We understand everybody has areas where they struggle, but don't show it to everybody. Don't come to church advertising it. Don't come to church talking about it to anybody. Because if you do, you know what? You're just going to make it easier for them to do it. Let everyone think, I'm the only person in church that does this sin. You know why? And you say, you know why I let them think Because we want people to be ashamed of these things. And again, I'm not telling you to be fake. Hopefully, eventually it will be real. You know, hopefully, eventually you actually will get victory over these things, but you're not going to get victory over it when you're spreading it. It's just going to make you feel better about it. So another thing, too, even if it's not... what, What about things that are just questionable, that aren't really a sin? Well, you know what? Christians should never push someone to do anything that would violate their conscience. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace, and things wherewith we may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, uh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. There are some things you can keep to yourself. There's some things you don't need to share with everybody. It says, Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So understand, there's some things that, okay, you've been fully persuaded in your own mind you are not sinning if you do this, but you've got to understand there's some things that might be offensive to other people. And if it is... You know what? We don't need to encourage them to do it. They're, why do you need them to eat what you eat if it's something they're offended by? Why do you need them to participate in something? Maybe it's some kind of music you listen to that you're convinced. I believe this is godly. I believe this is edifying to me. But you know what? If you know that that's offensive to somebody else and you know that it's going to violate their conscience, why do you need to push them to do it? You know, don't, don't do that. that. That's not That's not necessary. You know, if you really do, if you really, if you really feel like, okay, Eminem is like the number one gospel singer now. Do you all know that? He's got, he's like the, the top of the charts. Now, I haven't listened to one of his Christian songs and I don't plan on it. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's where Christian music's going. Eminem is number one. Okay. I'm pretty sure any of his music you listen to is a sin. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But you know what? If... You are convinced in your heart his music is of God and that it is edifying to you as a believer. Keep it to yourself because I promise you, if I see Eminem, you know, or hear you listen to that, I'm going to get offended. Then <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a weak brother, but you know, there's probably somebody that's going to, you know, what just you no, know, I'm convinced. Okay, hey, listen, if you're convinced, great. If it's bringing you closer to God, you know, listen to his Christian rap or whatever or kind of is he's doing. I'm glad, man. I hope it makes you really godly and you know you get all kinds of rewards in heaven. But you know what? Have it to yourself. Cuz let me tell you, that's definitely questionable. <laughs> no matter what, being as generous as I can be, it's definitely questionable when the rapper Eminem is the number one singer of Christian music. I I just I don't understand that. But uh, but 1 Corinthians 8, 7 says, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol under this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And therefore their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest any, by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. You don't become better because of something you eat, nor do you become worse because of something you eat. But... If you do these things with offense, you know what? You have done damage in that area. And you know what? There are things that Christians can do that technically probably aren't a sin, but, you know, they, they, it's, it's questionable. I, I know some people too, they have no problem and it doesn't violate their conscience and they see absolutely nothing wrong with going and purchasing some booze and cooking with it, all right? Now, but you know what? Some people might find that questionable if they see that in your cart. Somebody might get offended. They, they don't know what you're going to do with that stuff. It, they have no idea. If you're not drinking it, if you're not getting drunk yet, yeah, you're not sinning. But listen, you know, can you keep it to yourself? You know, and listen, just I'm so anti-alcohol. I don't even want to eat food that was cooked in it. All right. That's just me. And if you, you know, so just, you know, what? can we keep it away from here? All right. If you want to have, I don't even, you know, what, I'm not even convinced it's a sin. I, I'm not. But I know it 's offensive. I, I know it can be offensive, and you know what you shouldn 't encourage other people to, to do that don't listen, I hate alcohol industry so much I don 't want to do anything. You know what? If, if you really want alcohol so bad, I think moonshine's legal now. Just go make your own moonshine at home where nobody can see you doing it, and then cook your food in it that way and don 't bring it to church or feed it to me okay Just you know the, these aren't and again said, man you 're being really, really picky. I get concerned. When stuff's being encouraged, you know, and people are doing something they weren't doing before, and they get weird ideas for this at church. That's that's not no, we should be pushing people away from the things of the world, a, a pushing away from the appearance of evil. We don't want to do things, and, and again, if you're doing something that could be questionable, but there's no question in your mind, you're not sinning. You're not, unless you're doing it with offense. And you say, well, I'm not offended. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You need to care what other people think. You, you need to care. You know, there's a lot of people that really struggle with this stuff. There might be some young... There might be people in the church they remember when they were younger seeing their parents buy that stuff and they remember how it just ruined their life. And they don't know what you're going to do with it when they see it, it at Walmart. You know, people know how I preach against alcohol and stuff at this church and they they see that. They're not going to think the right thing. And so we should, again... We're we're considering one another. We're thinking about one another. It's not just about, well, I like this. Well, you know what? I might really like, you know, I like that smoked brisket that we ate this afternoon, but if I find out it was sacrificed to idols, now, I could still eat it. Because I know that means nothing. But if we had somebody here, and again, this is a different cultural thing. This is a completely different cultural thing. But again, if we... Had somebody in our church that would be offended by that thing because they used to sacrifice meat to idols, I would be sinning if I ate it. So, you know what? I, you say, what would you do? You're just going to let it go to rot? No. When will those people go home? And then I'm going to eat it. Oh, you're being a phony. No, I'm not. It's not being a phony. It's I'm, I'm caring about what other people think. I, I'm, I'm being careful not to offend. Just like Paul wasn't being a phony when, as a Jew, he became as a Jew. He wasn't being fake. He wasn't being phony. He doesn't really care about that. You know, those things, you know, when it came to what he ate, it didn't mean anything to him. He had full knowledge when it came to the dietary things, how those were gone. Paul got to the point in his life where I think he could have ate a bacon sandwich and it wouldn't have bothered him at all, but he would have never done it around one of his Jewish brethren. Especially when they knew he was a Jew because they wouldn't have understood. And Paul would have been sinning at that point. But you know what, if after all the Jews went home and it was just his Gentile buddies, he'd be like, you know what, you want to get that bacon sandwich back out of the fridge because they're gone. I'm eating it. <laughs> you know? And and, you know, and I think you get my point, what I'm saying, but we, we got to make sure we don't want to be you know, just ever encouraging people to do things that are sin or things that would cause someone to violate their conscience. We are allowed to keep some things to ourselves. And that's what he said, Hast thou faith, have it to thyself. Just some things we it's like everybody wants a church where they turn everyone into clones of themselves. You know, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So Christians should not go talking about sinful things in their life unless they are confessing their sins or seeking help. And it says in James five sixteen, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. Listen again. We're not going to throw people out for every sin, because people need to be confessing their faults one to another, and they need to be praying for each other. But understand when you confess your faults to somebody, it's so they can pray for you, not so they can encourage you in that. You know, it's going to be really hard for me if I'm struggling with something. If I'm struggling, maybe I've been maybe I've been getting tempted and buying lottery tickets, and then I go to Brother Chris and like, Brother Chris, man, I need you to pray for me. I just I'm really struggling at the gas station. I need, and you know, and I sit there and I let him pray for me you know what, that's going to make me feel really bad when I go to the gas station next time. I'll buy a lottery ticket. It's, going to, it's not going to help me do it. But if I'm just like, hey, Brother Chris, you know, play the lottery lately? You, know, you don't do that? Yeah, I do. And you know, he might be afraid to rebuke me. He might not want to... You know, but you know, I'm, you know what I'm doing? I'm testing. I'm testing the waters. Uh, I, I want to see how he's going to respond to this thing that I probably shouldn't be doing. And that, folks, that's not okay. Don't go confessing your faults to someone also that you know isn't going to encourage you to do better. If I really want to get victory over this thing, you know, I'm gonna go confess it to the person that's gonna jump all over my case. You know, iron proverbs twenty seven seventeen, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We've we need to be making each other better. We need to be making each other more godly. And again, and I hope, I, I hope I'm hope i emphasizing this, and I hope you're getting this. There are things that, again, might not necessarily be a sin, but they could violate conscience. Don't promote it. There might be things that are sins, but it doesn't make you a terrible person. It doesn't make you worthy of getting kicked out of the church. It doesn't mean, make us think anything less of you. But as a church, one of our functions is to be bringing people closer to Christ. It's to be promoting all the commandments of God. And we've got to make sure we never we don't want to be the one that comes into a church and causes there to be more sin. We don't in, in any way a, as a member of this church, we want to be somebody who causes there to be less sin. Where not only are we not doing these things we're encouraging other people to not do these things. If you've got something here like, I am convinced I will never get over this. I am convinced I will go to my grave, struggling with the sin. I will be there and watching season 100 of When the Stomach Turns. I can't give it up. Okay, that's fine. But just keep it to yourself because we don't want that spreading. Do you really want other people in the church with the same addiction that you've got? Having the same weakness that you have? Nobody in, here is, nobody in here is saying, we don't have any struggles. We all have them, but we, we've got to take godliness and righteousness seriously. And you need to ask yourself, if you're someone who's helping Liberty Baptist Church, be more righteous or less righteous. And if you're struggling, we're here for you. And, but if you are here to make everyone more like you, then this isn't the place. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to make people more. I'm not not here to make people more like Tommy McMurtry. I'm here to try to make people more like Christ. That's what what I want to do. And many of the types of things that we talk about tonight are not things that as a church we have the authority to enforce. Or I, I, I as a pastor, I don't have the authority to enforce these things. But understand, there will come a point where you might find yourself in direct rebellion to God where God has been dealing with you, if you're somebody that God has been dealing with about a sin that's in your life, even a little one, that's smaller than someone else's, but God's been dealing with you, and you're just like, no, no. I know the pastor preached on it, he doesn't even know I have this problem. I know I just read a Bible verse that said I should give this. I know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me, but you know what? I don't need to do anything about this, because... So-and-so in the church, they do this. This person does that. This person has all these faults. No, you are in direct rebellion to God and it will negatively affect our church if you refuse to repent. And I believe if we're a church that's right with God, God will purge you from the church for having a sin that's not even on the list of things that will get you kicked out of the church. Because God wants a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And so I just... I just think it's very important that and, and I'm afraid because of the fact that, you know, as a as a church, you know, I because I can't enforce certain things that it's like we're not going to keep moving forward. And it's like, no, we need we need to get to the point spiritually where the Holy Spirit's enforcing things in your life. When we get there, when, when we get there. Folks, that's going, to, that's going to be a really good step in the, in the growth of our church spiritually when all of a sudden now we're starting to like get serious about these least commandments. When we're starting to promote things that are making us more and more godly, where we're avoiding more and more evil and just getting farther away from the things of this, of this world, that's, that's a good thing. You know what that's doing? That's us becoming more like Christ. And so I feel like you've got like right here you know, this, this line right here, these over here are the sins that will get you kicked out of church. And I feel like in here are a bunch of sins that won't get you kicked out of the church. And over here is godliness, victory in Christ, all kinds of wonderful things. And it's like, you know what? Because we don't have verses that say we can kick people out of church for these things. We just stay here and we never get over here. I'd like to get over here. I would like us to get over here and really be moving forward and really doing something for God. I don't want to just stay here stuck in lameville forever. Yeah, we're not horrible church. We're not over here in just the the wicked carnal church, but we're stuck in here where we've just got all these sins. And folks, there's no positive effect of any of those sins in here that won't get you kicked out of the church. Let's let's get to the next point. And so we are. We God has been very good to this church. We've seen a lot of great things. we're still seeing a lot of great things. We're seeing souls saved, but I do. I, I just feel like, you know, we've been here eleven years now. We've got a lot of people in this church have been saved for a long time, that have a lot of experience. We know a lot of doctrine. And I I really think that the next step that we need to go is I, we need to get to where everybody in here is spiritual enough, where all this stuff in here that I can't enforce, that we can't enforce, you all start doing these things with the help of the Holy Spirit between you and God. And I think when that starts happening, man, I think we get, I think we get over here, and I think we take it to the next level. I I, be, I believe that with all my heart. And so, um, you know the. This is, let me tell you, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you go to God and are serious and say, Lord, I need you to show me what I need to purge for my life. That right there is going to be one of the most life-changing prayers you will ever pray because he will show you and you better not back down from it. Don't ask God to show you so you can see if you want to change it. You say, God, you show me. And I'm going to change it. Well, be, be ready. Be ready to go throw out some soap opera DVDs. You know, be ready. Give up some bad habits and things that you really like. You know, it, it, but I'm telling you, it'll be worth it. it I, I promise you, it'll be worth it. And o- over here, the devil is going to make you think, that's so boring, it's so lame, it's so crummy. Over, you know, right in here, you can you can still be saved. You're still going to heaven. You're still getting some souls saved. You know what? And, and you can have your fun. No, no, it, it, it's, it's a lie. The devil always lies. He, he is a liar. Just ignore him. Believe Christ. Get over there. Start repenting of sins like a camp meeting person. All right? I mean, you know, start, you know, don't repent of sins like you think your soul is dependent on it. But you know what? Take it serious. All right? Take it serious because these things will it, it will it'll make your life so much better. So, man, I, sorry, I preached long tonight, but uh, I think I think we need this. So, with that, let's pray, dear Lord. I thank you so much uh, for your word, and I pray, Lord, everybody's taking this the right way, the right heart, that we will, as individuals, get serious about our Christianity, getting closer to you, and that we will all be a positive force for good and righteousness in this church. That we will. Uh, not do anything, Lord, to promote any kind of sin or areas of weakness in our life, but we'll encourage others to do good and uh, others will encourage us to do right and we'll become closer to you and more like you. In your name we pray, amen.